Welcome to Corporate to Conscious, the podcast, where we are your seasoned guides with over 30 years of combined corporate experience. Personally navigate the journey from burnout to balance. We're not just experts, we've lived it. Whether you're a newbie or a seasoned pro, join our intimate community. We unravel the nervous system, climb the corporate ladder, tackle burnout together, and discuss the outdated social norms that influence our work environment. This isn't just about bridging old and new, it's about living it. This is Corporate to Conscious Podcast, where experience meets compassion and work meets wisdom. Hello and welcome to Corporate to Conscious, the podcast. In this week's episode, we are going to get into the topic of communication in the workplace. How are you this week? How's it been for you? Hi, Brittany, and hello, everyone. Um, It's been an interesting week. We've talked a lot about um, communication and leadership, and as we all know, I do have an employment. Um, And so in that job, I was honestly kind of evaluating my communication style with my team and my boss. So it was pretty interesting kind of looking at that. So you were kind of observing yourself this week? It was honestly, and yes, it was identifying how I communicate um, and my choices and my reasoning behind the way I communicate. Um, and you know what's, oh, sorry. Go ahead, no, go ahead. no, please go ahead. I was going to say what's interesting because you're, you work remote, right? So I think it's interesting how we've had to modify our communication styles over, over time. But I think specifically now that so many of us work remote only. It's hard to know what a person means in communication, whether that's just because you only talk through text, you only talk through um, whatever app you're using, email, etc. I know that I have had a lot of times in my career when I've gotten emails, and it felt really charged when I read the email the first time. And then I would calm down and go back and be like, that is not at all what they said to me. (laughs) It's so funny you said that. I have that happen to me all the time. As a matter of fact, I had that happen this week. They sent out an email about um, specific things and I looked at it and I got right away. I was like, how dare they? They want to fight. My, My little fists were pulled up in front of me and I was like, who wants to fight? Bring it. I was already getting upset. Um, and then I started thinking about, I'm like, hold on, what are they asking? What's really going on? And I was like, let me remove myself, close the email and go work to, on something else. And then I'll come back to it. And then when I reread it, I was like, oh, I was about to start like World War III with my manager for absolutely no reason. Like I just misread that. And I was so hyped up that I was going to make a complete ass out of myself, you know? So sometimes taking a step back and that goes back into like the communication thing that we're talking about today is understanding people's communication style and also not assuming, I think is a huge one because I'm guilty of it. All of us are. We're all guilty of presuming um, the intent of things without really understanding the full context of a message. And so that's why today we're going to talk about communication styles, guys. Well, and our trauma gets in the way too. Like there have been so many times when I have heard somebody like condescending me or saying that I didn't do my job or like whatever my own trauma filter is, 
just not hearing what they were saying at all. And it was like that, because I think I learned that that is one of my biggest triggers is to hear in somebody's email that they're accusing me of not doing my job because I am extremely um, like detail oriented when it comes to making sure I, I like, I read the whole email. I look at all of the expectations. I will go through and read fine print to make sure that I did the right thing. And then to get that email that's basically alluding to the fact that I didn't do my job is just my own trauma because that's the opposite of what I want anybody to say to me or think about me. And right now that you said that, it makes perfect sense because all of us want to be perceived a specific way and that's our self-preservation. And so we're going around the world presenting ourselves and doing the actions, you know, to be perceived in a specific way, right? But you just finished talking about trauma and how those lenses that we're wearing really color the way that we see the entire world. And like you physically have glasses and I use physical glasses as well. And that's exactly what I want people to really kind of understand when it comes to communication and understanding two-way communication is understanding that they have their own lenses as well. And those lenses are stained and tainted based off of their upbringing, their trauma, the things that were met for them as kids or that were not met for them as kids. And even as adulthood, remember we talked about the Maslow's hierarchy of core needs? Same thing, you know, where are you operating out of? Um, So I I completely agree, like trauma definitely affects the way that we perceive things and also how we communicate with people. Because if you have a tendency of being very defensive about things, you're always going to assume the worst from someone else in that email. And then you're going to make an ass out of yourself like I was about to do for myself today or this week, excuse me. So you've done a little bit of like research on communication styles, right? Or the the information that you found about kind of ways that we can communicate at work? What did yes. you find? So there's a few different articles that I found about communications, which one of them was really interesting because it was actually conducted um, back in 2018. <clears throat> and what they did is they actually conducted the study with a total of uh, 279 uh, employees, and they were government agency employees. And what they looked at is they were trying to identify what are the best practices um, that are the most effective ways of communicating. Yeah, I'm sorry, this is going to be by Springer Nature. um, And this was published back in 2018. And for this particular uh, study, what they actually talked about is the different types of styles of leadership that exist. And I'm going to go over the list of them so you guys kind of have an idea of what they are. I'm sure a lot of you guys have already heard a lot of these. Um, But leadership training usually will start off with autocratic, which is going to be decisions that are made by leaders uh, without putting input from the others. So it's pretty much I came up with the idea, what I say goes, and that's going to be from your management perspective coming to them, to the rest of your team, if that makes sense. And it's called autocratic? autocratic so that's essentially like as a manager you come up with a concept you think it's a good idea but you don't receive feedback from the rest of the team you don't receive feedback from anyone else in the corporation you're just pretty much saying I came up with this idea this is the best way that we're going to create and execute this idea and that's a leadership communication style because that essentially means that I'm the boss and what I say and what I think is always going to be right regardless of my staff 
and what their needs may be, right? So that creates a little bit of difficulty when communication from above coming down, that's easy, right? But for communication coming from your actual employees to you, there isn't really a lot of communication there because of that leadership style, if that makes sense. Well, and that sounds more like it would come from maybe like the boomer generation. Like that's probably more (laughs) of a dying breed of of leader that maybe doesn't exist as often in the workplace because I don't imagine you'd get very much um, positive feedback from that guy. (laughs) For sure. There's no positive feedback. That's the guy that everyone's like, damn him. And like, you know, probably walks by his car and, you know, spits on on the window, things like that, you know? So yeah, I for sure see that. Then there's a democratic leadership communication style, and that's going to be pretty much decision-making. Um, And so this is going to be, it involves like decision-making from like, not just you, but also from your colleagues and your employees or your team per se. And this has actually been the most um, effective way so far that they've talked about that gets a lot of work done efficiently, proficiently, and effectively because you're collaborating. Um, Essentially what you're doing is you're fostering the ability for your team to think for themselves. You're also fostering your own development along the side with your team or with your staff per se, because it's kind of ignorant for us to actually think that we know it all, regardless of how much schooling you have. There's always, there's always going to be better perspectives if you're working in a collaboration than just with one mind. Well, and I always say too, with my teams that I hired, um, it was, I'm choose, I picked you because you know more about these topics than me. If I know everything about everything, I don't need a team, but I love to have people that are on my team that are smarter than me in certain areas, because that's the whole point. And I want to be able to go to you as somebody that's on my team and be able to say, what's the subject matter expert response to the following thing? Um, because it saves me time and, and I allow my team to foster their own self-confidence, self-worth, et cetera. And to be that person that just knows all the answers, I mean, that's not even real to begin with. Well, not only that, it takes away from the actual growth experience from everyone. If you're able to grow alongside with your team and your team's able to grow alongside you, you're actually teaching them all the things that you've already learned, all the skill sets, and then they're going to take it to the next level. And I, I feel like it allows them to grow, it allows other people within the company to grow because now you have one team member that's willing to help other team members that can share the same type of knowledge that was already shared with them, that maybe their leadership isn't offering them. So it creates a collaboration. And then also the other one thing that you said that I really want to make sure is a lot of times in leadership and in management, we have been a tendency of like overworking ourselves to death because we do not know how to delegate. And that is where this particular leadership style or leadership and communication style, in my opinion, is the best because you are delegating things out and that's teaching you how to delegate to your team and also how to rely on your team in an effective manner. So I think it, it goes both ways because it allows the communication to flow both from management down and from employee up. And it creates a better environment for everyone on the cross because then there's camaraderie, there's playfulness. It's not so damn uptight, you know, when you get to collaborate with your boss. Yeah. And it's, that is a really good feeling to have a boss that trusts you. And 
I've had that in my own experience and it made me feel so valuable within the workplace that I wanted to emulate that behavior. And I've also had bosses that really didn't trust anything that I did and whether they were literally communicating that to me or they were communicating it through micromanagement. I was always feeling like I had to prove my worth to this person and someone like that, you're never going to be good enough because it's not about you and your value. It's about their insecurity, whether they think that you're going to outshine them or take their job, or if they feel like um, you are going to make them look bad to someone else. It's just, it's a bad dynamic for me. I, I don't prefer that at all. And it doesn't really work. And then there's also, um, it, I feel like when you're not able to like express yourself, really to your boss, it creates a lot of red tape and it creates a hell in itself. Um, another one of the actual um, communication styles is going to be transformational. And I feel like that's something that I kind of always fell into because <clears throat> I was really big on motivating my team to do things for themselves and to grow, to always look for certain things. But there's there's a plus, there's a positive and a negative to each one of these um, styles. <clears throat> so for transformational, it focuses on inspiring and motivating your team members to achieve um, shared goals, right? So it's very similar to the, the democratic one, but this is more along the lines of you passing the torch to your employees and trusting them enough to be able to say like, hey, I'm delegating this out to you because you've, sta you've stated that you have X amount of ideas that I think are really good, conducive, like really good ones that would be conducive to the team. So now... <clears throat> You're inspiring them to do their own growth and to take care of that project for you. But and, I will say this though. Yeah. I've, I've had teams before where I thought we were like doing what you're saying and they did not want that. They did not want to be responsible for those types of things. So that's part of the communication for me as well was finding out what they did and didn't want. Cause some of them were like, I'm, I just want you to tell me what to do and I'm going to deliver and they did not want the progressive like growth that I felt like I was bringing to the team. They felt like, I don't want that. That's the type of like stretch that I'm not interested in. And I had to, they had to communicate that to me to realize that I was giving them a level of freedom that they did not appreciate. And that was kind of eye opening for me because I'm like this modern, cool boss. And they're like, uh, no, I need you to not be like that, please. <laughs> I love that you said that because it's so funny that you would say that. It's it's true. If you think about it, like that's where we go back to communication is having that open communication with your team. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But like you just explained, like you knowing your team and you wanting to like develop them and help them grow and like have them blossom, you know, if that person is not in the right mindset, remember wherever their core values are and where they're currently at. To them, that's like suicide. Like that would be like suicide to me. I'm like, wait, what? You want me to think for myself now? Like I came to work because this is supposed to be cookie cutter. Like you're supposed to tell me what to do. So I could see that being super overwhelming to that one person that is still trying to just get stability and security for themselves. And it goes back to the same thing, communication. The other thing that you, um, I wanted to go over, which is another con, um, and it's actually listed as one of the cons <laughs> for the for this particular one, it's, yeah, learning how to identify if the person that you're assigning that task to wants that task, if they want to be 
you know, given the opportunity to have that task. And again, it's given the opportunity to develop your own skill set. But some people don't see it that way. Some people think of it like, why are you giving me additional tasks? I don't want this. Well, and not everybody is me. Like, that's the thing I had to learn as a leader is I would give everyone what I wanted a, a leader to give to me. And a lot of people are not me. And they they want to be at the same spot in their job for the next 20 years. And they're happy with that. Whereas I'm the type that wants to constantly be growing and churning. And I want change every like month. I'm like, we need something new. I'm, this is boring. I figured it out. And that's not good or bad. That's just how I am. And their way is not good or bad. It's how they are. And it's, it's each person almost needs like a customized version of you as a leader. And that is the nuance of leadership that I think a lot of people don't get well. They're managers. They're not leaders. Yes. Oh my God. And we're going to touch base on that again, because that is a huge thing that I want to talk about is understanding the difference between you being a leader and a manager and understanding that your speech has to be catered to each individual because the way that we're trying to do blanket statements, blanket statements are great to enforce a policy, a rule, a new system, but you still have to make sure that it is being understood by your staff in a way that they will comprehend it, that will be conducive to the business. Well, and this might be a hot take, but I think that's the the downfall of project management because it's very by the book and it's it's following so many steps that it doesn't account for, it's taking a human experience and it's turning it into a science. And the thing about interaction with individual humans is you have to lean into the nuances. That's why not everybody's a good manager or a leader because they don't understand humans. They think that people can just be plugged into an algorithm and it's, it's you're setting yourself and your team up for failure. And it ends up being a lot of stress on managers that try to handle it that way. It ends up affecting them pretty severely because they're not happy at their job. The employees are not happy. They're complaining. Their performances are low. That means if your performances are low, your clients are being, your front facing clients are affected, which then in turn affects your whole business as a whole. So I always tell people it's very important. Like the leadership style, communication style that you guys have is vital. Um, The next one, the next, um, leadership communication style is going to be transactional. And that's going to be pretty much involving exchanges between leaders and team, emphasizing rewards and consequences. So this is going to be like, hey, I gave you a shit storm of work. Take care of it. And when you get take care of it, you get a snicker bar. That is pretty much the transactional one. That works in, I think, sales environments. Um, where there's like metrics and KPIs that need to be met that way. I think that's like a really good incentive, like for sharks, for sales. I did sales management for a long time um, and that is very aggressive and you want to motivate them. And the incentive is usually going to be, you know, that dollar, um, some type of prize of monetary value. But I think that type of 
uh, like kind of dangling the carrot works when you have an end point or like a, a number to meet. But when you're looking at like social services or something like that, it doesn't work that way because the workload is literally endless. So with sales, it's like, okay, we hit this number. So what that means to me is I hit a finish line. With social services, there is never a finish line. And that's where that burnout comes in, which is a whole other topic. But I think we need to realize that that transactional communication style cannot translate into social services because you're trying to bait people with something that has no end point. I'd like to differ that one with you, Prixie. And I'll tell you why. Because in sales, it is a different type of mindset that you have. For social services, you're right. It's a never ending you know that the workload is going to come in no matter what. And it's just an, it's just never ending, right? But in sales, your targets are always there. You always have to have new KPIs. You always have to hit your metrics. You always have to hit your sales numbers. In order for you to maintain your position in any company, you have to maintain your, your metrics. And so the thing about it is that their mentality isn't, oh, I got to get this work done. It's, oh, how do I make or maximize the most of every single interaction for sales. So it's a different type of stress. It's a different type of hunger that you have. So transactional would work great for sales teams, for real estate, for uh, loans, for people that are more after the target because it's going to come with a very monetary. But let me clarify what I'm talking about. When you're seeing social workers only, or not social workers, but what I'm saying is like, it's different type of work, but it still burns you out. So transactional would work perfect for sales reps. So I might, my mistake if I totally. Okay. So what's the next one that you have on the list? The next, the next one's going to be laissez-faire. And that's leaders take hands-off approach, allowing team members to do more things on their own, allowing autonomy. Um, and so that's, I think, every manager's goal, Right. All of us want to be able to kind of take your hands back and but be like, the team that could allow for that does it often does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like when we talked about this before, it's you know what one of those things where you have to perfect it. You know, it's not just going to happen overnight. So it's like finding identifying like each one of your team employees, where are they at, what are their goals you know, having that open communication to where you know a little bit about them so that you can identify like what drives them. And then you can kind of go ahead and start focusing on the rest of the team. And then once you identify, like for me, the way that I, in my mind, how it works or the way that I perceive it to occur is like, okay, well, we're going to start off with like one team member figuring out what their likes and don't likes and what motivates them. And you go through the whole team and then you kind of have an idea of their strengths and their weaknesses And then you work with them based off of that. And then you create a plan that works and then you try it out and it's not going to work right away. So you're going to fine tune it and continue fine tuning it. Just the same that you way that you do as a musician, like you fine tune your, your instrument and then you try it out and then you try it again and it takes time and effort. But the more communication that you have between your team, your colleagues, then you're able to kind of identify who needs help with what and where other people within the team or within leadership can offer support. Well, and I think that what I'm what I'm kind of gathering from all these different types is 
you can be all these types of managers with a, with one team. Like I could be laissez faire with somebody that's extremely self motivated, very autonomous, like able to work on their own, and then other people are going to require a different version of me. Um, but I tend to be kind of a laissez faire leader. And that has not, like I said, that doesn't always work. And I've had teams come to me where like individuals will say, I need you to speak to me more often. I need communication. I need to know where I stand. And that was an adjustment for me because I tend to believe that everybody's cool and would rather not hear from me. And that's really not the case, especially with remote work. Um, people feel so isolated when they don't hear from you because they don't know what's happening in the the network of the the organization. And you, you can't forget these people that are out there just like feeling isolated. That the last six years have been, or five years, I can't even remember how long I've been working remote now. Um, but I didn't realize how much it had a- impacted my communication my personality and my behaviors. Oh, tell um, me more about that. That's interesting. Like you'd noticed a, a shift in yourself over that six years. Uh, yeah. Even now, like we're constantly evolving and you know, you know, both you and I, we've been part of like, we're part of different groups where we're pretty big on self-development, self-growth. And so we're constantly evolving. And I know the, the evolution of like my, like what I've been going through and the things that I've been slowly growing on. But one of the things that I noticed was the most drastic is my personality changes, how I'm more um, reserved, how I'm less talkative. I'm not as friendly or as outgoing as I used to be. And it has a lot to do with COVID. And I'm not just going to say COVID, remote work particularly, because I've been in different management leadership positions where I was in office and I've had jobs where I go in office and don't get me wrong throughout the six years, I have done some consulting here and there and I have done, you know, in-person stuff, but it's not the same as consistently working remotely. And when you're working remotely, it's almost like you forget social cues. You almost forget um, social cues. You forget um, it becomes very big on like just getting the work done and you start kind of forgetting that there's another person on the other end receiving that message. So it, it almost becomes like you're just very direct, like uh, need this, blah, 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 by this time. It, it becomes very monotone is the best way I can describe it. Not only that, you just don't feel the urge to be around people as much. And so that's very different because that's not who I used to be. I used to always want to be around people. And so that has affected the way that I communicate with work. Like we were talking at the very beginning of the podcast, when I'm working with my boss now, I have a boss and, you know, I sent, she doesn't really bought, she's actually going to be for sure, um, super hands-off management, um, for my particular manager, um, not the corporation that I work for, but my manager herself. And one of the things that I realized is that she has done everything that she can to try to create a bubbly, um, safe space for all of us. But when you're so desensitized for such a long period of time of working from home remote and being isolated, it doesn't feel genuine. And it honestly feels disinteresting to me. Yeah, they call that forced fun or um, like voluntold, like you're voluntold to do things that are just so like unnecessary. I know exactly what you mean. 
because when I was working at my last organization, they were like, oh, we get to have lunch together. And I'm like, oh, gross. I sit at home. Why do I want to drive all the way there to eat lunch with you people? I mean, you're great, but that's like effort for me. So I totally get what you're saying. And it, it was right. It's been rough because like, I really, I noticed the difference in my personality. And then I see like my manager that's really trying to like bring the morale up because we're all work remote and we all work like really stressful jobs. So she's trying to bring up the morale, but I'm seeing this because I'm noticing that the old version of me would have been all over this. I would have been like, hell yeah, let's do some fun stuff with the manager. Let's mess around. Let's goof off. Goof off. Uh, let's collaborate. Let's talk. But the version of me that's just working away, being a busy bee, has been completely desensitized to just normal communication between my peers to where it becomes an effort. Like it becomes a task, a very, very heavy task. Like, oh, I wonder if the the moral of the story is that the old ways of kind of bringing teams together is not a thing like we're going to have to rethink that. Because the it, it's like taking something brand new, which is a remote workforce, and it's forcing them back into the old ways of doing things like going and playing paintball with your team. And it's just like, why would I do that? I still have the same deadline. I still have the same time. Before you would do activities like that. And you're like, yes, we don't have to be in the office today. But you would have normally had to had to have been there. But now with there being no time really limit to your day, because it just can bleed into whatever because you're already home, I think we're going to have to rethink what that looks like as an entire workforce. I agree with you, but I also do feel like it does work for some people because I have seen it be pretty effective with some of my other colleagues at work. But just for me personally, it seems very heavy sometimes when I have, like you said, the workload is still there. And that's, I think, the part that we need to find as managers, as management. That's, I think, the part that we really need to really look at. If we want to create balance for our employees, or if we want to create an environment where an employee isn't always stressed out, I think it would be really good for us to be able to reallocate resources as needed. I've seen certain corporations that if a team's going to go ahead and do a team outing, they'll have the rest of the company absorb that work for just that day. Um, They will reallocate resources as needed. And I think that's important, especially for like the remote workers. You're right. Maybe I don't necessarily want to sit in a meeting and play a board game with them on a meeting on Teams. But maybe I would be willing to meet up for brainstorming night or just to hang out and get to know my coworker, um, this particular day, if it comes with some type of like growth incentive. So it's wait, you would like that. See, there's 0% of me. That would like that. That would like that. (laughs) Oh, no. Are you kidding me? Again, I work from home. I'm a social butterfly, but I've been at home for like the last six years. So it's like, now I'm just like, what do you want? I'm like, when she sends me a ping on team, she's like, Hey, how are you doing today? And I'm just like, Yes. Like, I don't even. Why do you need to know? (laughs) Well, my thing is, like, I I respond to her. I'm like, yes. How can I help? And I I start realizing, I'm like, wait, hold on. Maybe I I should say, hi, how are you doing too? Like, I forget those little things. And it's, of course, I have ADHD. There's, you know, multiple things that I could work on to improve who I am. But what I'm seeing in this particular sub, this topic that we're talking about, it's just one of those things where I forget my manners, I guess. 
but I'm a very, very charismatic, diplomatic, and very well-spoken. I have proper manners, I swear. Um, but the etiquette behind the monitor and typing sometimes can be a little too much for me. And I know there's well, other- and, But I imagine that before when you worked in an office, you were probably the one that like rounded up the troops and like had the parties planned. Like you probably like that stuff when you're not a remote worker. You you impress me as maybe like a a work party thrower. You know, that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm not. I do it. <laughs> I'm not though I'm being serious like I am funny though and of course you know I'm just my personality is really rambunctious um so just rambunctious wise yes um but as far as me wanting to hang out with coworkers after work all the time I would do that very far and few in between yeah I me me too that's I want to go home but I learned that there's just a lot of things that happen at those places that will be talked about for ages to come so exactly I'm like just either sit there with a drink and just watch and observe <laughs> so that you don't become a topic of conversation, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And I've worked for those like family quote unquote organizations where everybody wants to only hang out with each other. And yeah, no. The cult. <laughs> Is that what we're calling it? Yes. Am I just kidding? But yes. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So there's also, now we talked about leadership communication styles, right? But we didn't actually get to talk to ta- a chance to talk about workplace communication styles. And there's, um, and so I want to talk about that because I included on here, I wanted to make sure that we included like the actual, like what it means and then the pro and cons of everything. Because that's one of the things that I really want to bring to our channel or to our podcast is perspective. I want you guys to keep in mind that everything that we're talking about is just perspective. So there's going to be a pro and a con to it. And you're going to decide what fits right based off of your needs and based off of who you are with the new information that you gather today. And so that's why I'm doing this and I'm doing in that in that format, just so you guys are aware. Okay. The first one is going to be assertive. Um, so that's a communication style that involves like expressing one's thoughts, needs, opinions, clearly directed um, towards one person or a group. And it has to be while respecting somebody's perspective, but you're being very direct about your needs. So the pro of it is a you're not you're being very transparent and you're making your message known to that other individual. The con for this one is that you might come off a little too direct um, and perceived as aggressive. I think we both have this problem, Brooksy. Like this I, is you're my pointing. entire like I am assertive diplomatic. I don't know if diplomatic is one of the ones you're going to list, but I am assertively diplomatic. It's not. Um, <laughs> it's not one of them um for sure and i can be just because i'm very like there's no there's no fluff around what i'm gonna say and yes i am definitely um an acquired taste <laughs> i love people like you though like person like personally me i love direct straightforward people it's hurtful sometimes yes has brixie hurt my feelings in conversations why yes she has i'm like does it deter me from caring about her and wanting to continue business with her? Absolutely not. <laughs> and I'm saying that because I want you guys to know how direct this woman is. Um, for me, I am direct. I have a tendency um, in management to sometimes say things in a very harsh manner. So that's something that I've learned to grow from because um, I've had different leadership styles and I've grown from different styles. And so far, um, 
I have effectively been able to work on that. I'm not saying I do that every day with all communication, but I do do it at work. I make sure not to come off too directly. The next one is going to be passive. And passive is essentially the communication style where an individual avoids expressing their thoughts or needs, often yielding or often making it comfortable for everyone else. Um, And the pro of that is that you maintain harmony. You don't create and it avoids conflicts. It reduces tension if there's already tension in a situation. Um, So that's the pro of it. The con of that is that essentially your unexpressed concerns are not going to be heard. So you're pretty much putting yourself in the back burner. So that would be like a really bad pro in my opinion. The second, excuse me, con. The second one is it pretty much stops you from being able to grow. um, And it can lead to misunderstandings. So if you don't express your needs, and that's something that I've learned on a personal basis, is that you have to be very direct with what your needs are if you want your needs to be met. So at work, if you're agreeing to something that does not feel comfortable, for instance, if your boss comes up to you and tells you, hey, I have this uh, 30 page report that I need done um, by next week, you'd gladly do it, right? Since you're trying to get promoted. I'm going to say no, because that's not a realistic deadline for me. But the passive person would probably say, yeah, um, sure, I'll go ahead and get that done and be stressed out and not be able to complete the task and be feel really terrible about themselves. So that would be like a con in a passive environment. Um, what are your thoughts on passive? I, I mean, someone like me can really bulldoze a passive person. So I think that that is something that I've had to learn is that it's really easy because I am very assertive to just not even notice that there's people in the room that have opinions that just are quiet. Um, And that's been a big growth point for me and asking people what their opinion is. And it's those quiet ones that often have the, the most to say, they're just not often given the platform or they're not able to fight for the platform against somebody that's more more assertive yeah and I love that you said that because you're right the quiet ones usually are the ones that have already observed a lot of things and they're the ones that are have already identified like oh that could be done differently oh we could do this differently too and it'll smooth everything out um but if you don't have the you know capacity to speak up it sucks because you fall you you go unnoticed Um, so in passive, there is benefits to it to create, you know, um, for me, the way that I would express it is like create a cohesive environment for everyone and try to avoid conflict. But at the same time, if you don't agree with something, I think it's important for you to actually be able to agree on something or disagree and say why you don't, it doesn't always have to be an adversary conversation. It could just be a discussion. So the next one's going to be aggressive. Aggressive is a communication style that involves expressing one's thoughts, opinions in a forceful manner, expecting um, pretty much at the expense of everyone else's feelings um, and and perspectives, right? So the pro on this is that it's direct, it's direct communication, and you'll be able to get the result that you're seeking quickly, right? Because usually that's how it's going to be. It's going to come in hot. It's like coming in hot. This is what we're doing. Bam, 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 bam. We got to get this done. That's how that would work. The con of that is essentially 
creating hostility, um, creating tension, stress, you know, completely ruining the dialogue and the communication between you and your staff because you can come off rude, harsh, mean. Um, and there's going to be a lot of resentment involved there. The next one's going to be passive aggressive. Passive aggressive communication style is an indirect hostility or frustration that's being portrayed. And essentially the pros on this one is going to be, it avoids confrontation. So this is a way for you to get your stuff down. And we've talked about this is more on the conniving side. I don't like that. I don't like that kind of behavior that irritates me. It genuinely pisses me off. And I know other people feel the same way about people that do that. Um, and so essentially the, the positive things about it is that it avoids, um, you know, confrontation if you're trying to avoid it. The cons is that it creates a negative work environment that lacks transparency and it creates a lot of resentment. Not only that, but it also puts a target in your head. I feel once people identify that that's how you operate, that you operate in a sleazy type of way, it gets noticed that way. The last one's going to be active listening, which is obviously my favorite and your favorite. Um, So active listening is pretty much a communication style that involves concentrating, understanding, and remembering the details of the conversation um, so that you can actually respond to the conversation in an active manner um, that's conducive to both people. And so the pro on this one, it's understanding it fosters empathy, strengthens the relationship, it creates trust. The cons for this one is actually going to be um, it requires time and patience. And um, this may not be suitable for all times. So I want to talk about that specifically because I've had situations where I want to actively listen to people. And I've talked to you about this with my with my neighbors um, that, you know, find me charming and I find them charming. And so like, I'm trying to leave and they want to, you know, I'm leaving cause I'm rushing, you know, cause I have to get to an appointment and I'm rushing down the stairs. And then my neighbor will come out and try to say like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Let me tell you all about what's going on in my week. And I'm just like, um, I'd love to sit and listen, but I gotta go. So sometimes, you know, wanting to be an active listener, isn't always going to play out the right way in every setting. Sometimes due to time constraints, you might not be able to be an active listener and you might have to turn around and be a little aggressive and be like, Hey, I don't have time for this right now. You know? And, and that may leave someone with a bad feeling. Well, and so I have, there's two parts of me, right? Like there's the corporate part, which is more on the side of like assertive. And then there's the active listening part of me because I get paid to be a therapist. So it's like that part of me, it's like I put on I'm in that mode and I'm listening and I am reflecting back and all that kind of stuff. But then when I'm in like higher level leadership positions in a corporation, you're not going to get that version of me because that's not who needs to show up today. So um, it's kind of switching hats is what I have to do. And I love that you're talking about that because you have to change the hat that you're wearing, depending the role that you're on and how you interact with people will be based off of that role. Um, anyway, so now we talked about all the roles, essentially, um, the types of communication styles. I also wanted to just really touch base on the fact that you also have to keep in mind that these are the leadership communication styles. And then there's the workplace communication styles, but also guys keep in mind your personal background makes a huge difference as to how you perceive information. Okay. So if you have a cultural background where You know, when people like snap their fingers at you, it's disrespectful, but to someone else that's like playful, 
you have to be mindful of those things. And again, it goes back to communication, understanding, like, is that person, if that person says, Hey, I didn't like that. Be like, Oh, why? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it in that way. It's being open and available to have a conversation as to why it made someone else uncomfortable or why they didn't like it. And whether you agree with it or not, be like, cool. Now I know that's not the way that you want to be communicated with. And now I know that that's not how I'm going to communicate with you, but I may communicate that way with Brixy still. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. I'm glad you brought that up because there is so much about being aware of who you're working with and each individual, the way your tone, the way that you are, like you said, snapping your fingers or pointing. Some people will like fight you if you point directly at them. Um, I'll fight you. Yeah. There's people that, I mean, and you have to be aware that your style is not the style and your way of, and it's those nonverbal communication pieces that can really cause a person to feel unsafe or feel unsupported. And it's just things that you think are normal, quote unquote, because of where you came from, but it could be completely disrespectful to another person. And I think even where you're from in the country, like if, if you live on the East coast, you're going to have a lot more like confrontational direct interactions. If you're living on the West coast, it's going to be more on that passive aggressive side of things because it's just a different way of relating. Absolutely. And you're 100%. And guys, just the biggest thing is just remembering, you know, be open to who you're having a conversation with and to be willing to communicate openly and willingly. Yeah. So this was a really fun discussion. I think that we could go on and on with it, Um, but we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Um, And we will have a lot of information on our site. We're going to have a a worksheet where you can kind of figure out what your communication style is. And we'll be able to kind of help you to understand and and get a sense of you and your team and where that's going to stand. But we are so happy that you guys joined us today. And that's, that's a wrap. Bye, guys.